Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Hump Day from Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward. And we're about to dive back in to the positional breakdowns as Bill's series rolls along at ohiostate.rivals.com. The next entry is going to be cornerbacks, but it turns out <laughs> we're a couple weeks behind and we haven't done anybody on the defense. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how that happened. I've got to be honest, I've lost track of time over the last <laughs> few weeks because... Uh, the off season has been odd. There's been a couple of vacations for us here and there. So, like, I don't know what day of the week it is. I, I know that the season starts in September. That's about it. Yeah. There's and there's more recruiting camps. There's yeah. one today and there's one tomorrow. So this be good ones. According and to our expert firm. That's what he says. Better better uh, talent coming in to look at. So we'll be doing that uh, later on at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and uh, we'll have some coverage, of course, of that at OhioStateRivals.com and on the podcast. Um, but today, we're going to spin the position wheel roulette, <laughs> and it's going to land somewhere on defense. What should we do, Bill? I think we should do defensive line, Okay, and, and I think to save everyone time, we'll do the whole defensive line. At OhioStateRivals.com, I broke up ends and tackles because, listen, we got to stretch this content <laughs> at this time of Don't year. Don't give away all the well, secrets well, for I the offseason. I also think that the posi- positions are probably worth talking about on their own there's enough going on at each spot but we can we can combine the two for this episode and do the whole defensive line if you'd like all right what do you think of it they're good we'll see you next time <laughs> uh, uh, easy um, easy does it yeah like it's this was maybe the position where there was the biggest disparity between like how good i feel about the potential this year and like kind of how hairy things can get next year um but I think there are there are a lot of pieces with this current twenty twenty three defensive line that you like you look at it look at it, no matter how like the starting role shake out, whatever, I think it's pretty clear how that might shake out. But like what they have coming back, you I add uh, Taiwan Malone to that mix, like you think about like Kenyatta Jackson emerging in addition to getting JT Tulimoloel, Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton all back. Like that's a pretty good defensive line. I, I think there are um Fair questions, maybe, to ask about whether or not that position group has maximized itself the last couple of years. Not to say that they've been bad. I thought, I thought they were pretty good last year, um, but maybe there was a little something more they could have gotten to. Mm-hmm. If this group coming back maximizes its potential, I think it has the chance to be. It's not not the best line since I've been covering Ohio State because there were some really good ones at the beginning. Uh, when I started covering him in 2014, but but certainly maybe the, the best we've seen probably since uh, 2017. So um, it's good. It, I, I think a lot of a couple of different things need to hit. But like, if anyone's like, I feel really good about this defensive line. Like, I, I think I would do. Yeah, and some of it is still betting on projection and betting on the reputation of Larry Johnson, and both of those things are are fine to count on. There's no there's no downside to doing that necessarily. I think. To your point about the last couple of years, it wouldn't just be me or you or other people that cover the team who feel like there was something else that they could have got to. They, The guys actually playing felt the same way. There were so many plays that were a fraction away from you know, winning a game, changing a game. Zach Harrison being the prime example at the end of the Peach Bowl, how close that ball was to getting knocked out. From my vantage point, I thought for sure that it was going to be. Watching on TV, I thought it was too. And that happened a lot where – they, they were getting questions about, hey, I mean, what do you have to do? You're, you're just looking for that extra half step, half second. They knew that. Like, they're watching the film and evaluating it the same way that we are. They felt like they weren't maybe getting enough credit for doing other things well, namely stopping the run, uh, which they did, I think, a much better level last year, especially Zach Harrison, just to, to balance that out for the way he played. But they knew that. 
and if you're giving any sort of honest assessment, they that negatively impacts the secondary, which we'll talk about later. If the ball's not coming out uh, faster or bad decisions or you're forcing some sack fumbles like that, that back-to-front thing that has to work in tandem. But uh, to the point about taking that next step, like Kenyatta Jackson has only done it in the spring, so we think that it's really encouraging and exciting. Uh, I'm not trying to just be devil's advocate, but that's part of it. You look at Jack Sawyer. The body's changed. He's not been at this full-time defensive end role. Last year was a struggle for him physically and with the, the jack position. So some of that is still unproven with him. You know, Mike Hall, as much as we all know what he can do and change games, and he's proven that in, like, on the field for Ohio State, coming off the, the shoulder issue and, you know, how, is he going to take the next step? What does that all look like? I, I think that's the safest bet of any, Mike Hall. But, yeah. um, you know, we could do that for everyone there, Tyleek Williams and, and the work ethic and on down the road, like, the only thing that's really proven is JT Tuimoloau, at least at the elite rushman standard. But even he would say, "I didn't do it every single week last week." I, th- I last think, year. yeah, I, I think like for perhaps like as unsexy as it is to talk about, like consistency is the biggest thing with with the entire group, and and I guess it, it can come in different forms and fashions. Like consistency for Mike Hall probably means like consistency of health more than anything else. Sure. For Tyleek Williams, it probably means more like motor um, than anything else or, or endurance maybe. Um, for JT, it's like, can you be – like, listen, if you wanted to be the Penn State guy every week, <laughs> it's it's probably not going to happen. If it does happen, like, start making the Boston Canton, I guess. But, <laughs> but like, there's, there's a level below that, I think, that is still great that he can probably achieve more regularly. And, and, I, and I think he would tell you that too. Like, that's – I, I suppose that's a criticism of him, but I think he's an awesome player. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Um, but can he can he be that guy who's like truly feared by a defense? Like every time Ohio State goes out there, I think he can. Mm-hmm. And if he is, then like watch out. Um, Jack Sawyer, I I, I don't know. I, I guess I he's still a bit of an unknown to me because he was so caught in between last year. But I thought some of the flashes were good. He actually, I think he had led the team in sacks last year, which kind of surprised me as I was putting this together. A tie for the team lead in sacks last year, and like they came like. Not in the most high leverage moments, but but they happened, and he had the most of them. So, um, what what does comfortability mean mean for him? Like Ty Hamilton, I think was quietly pretty solid for them last year. If he can continue to do that, they're in a good spot. And then whatever Kenyatta Jackson can add, Caden Curry. Like I, I, the, the thing that I wonder is with if Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry in particular are really coming on, and and not to say they're going to be stars this year, but like guys you have to put on the field, or or guys that just like just like show you something that that that. Eventually, they're going to be productive starters here. Does that push all the other guys we just mentioned to that level where they are more consistent? And, and I think that's the idea, right? When you recruit the way that Ohio State does, is that is that it sort of fuels itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe if the line has felt that as much over the last couple of years, but they're fairly deep. It seems like this year, and and I think that that depth can be something that not only helps them over the course of the season, but also brings out the best of the guys at the top of the pecking order. You said early on. Like- you have a reasonably confident idea of what the starting unit is going to be, those top four. And I think that you're right. I wonder in your mind, so JT and Jack are going to start a defensive end. I don't think there's any debate to have there. Yep. I'm not as certain about what's going to happen at those two interior spots because you mentioned Ty Hamilton and the consistent production he's already provided. It is not as flashy. The ceiling is not as high as my call for sure. And I think if you have a motivated, you know, driven Tyleek Williams, 
his upside is also probably larger than Ty Hamilton's, but he's the one that I think Larry Johnson trusts the most of those three. And he's had good health and he's had good work ethic and he knows his assignments. Like I think everyone out, most people around the world say it's got to be Tyreek Williams and Mike Hall starting for Ohio State, and I don't think it will be. I mean, it wasn't la- it wasn't last year. I think Ty started the last six or seven games, starting Northwestern, I believe. Yeah. So and like, I I don't I don't know. I guess the reason that would change is if, if like Tyreek has really turned the corner. But I, the four in my mind, like honestly, are are JT and Jack and Ty and Mike. Okay. I think I gotcha. are. Are the four and like I'll listen to our argument for Tyleek because I I will buy the stock too I I see the flashes I believe in the ceiling just a matter of again of, of consistency whether or not he can get there and Ty Hamilton I think is just steady like you're, you're right there's not there's not a whole lot of flash there um but I'd rather have a guy that's kind of like this the whole time than a guy that's doing this and I think you get that get that sometimes with Tyleek Williams unfortunately um I don't know and it also could be like if you if you start Ty and Mike. And Tyreek only plays like thirty snaps a game, but it's like the best thirty snaps you've ever seen. Like that's kind of like the Georgia model, right? Like Jordan Davis didn't yeah. play a whole lot because he was a monster, and he didn't like he just couldn't play sixty snacks, snaps a game. When he was on the field, you noticed it. I, if you get that out of Tyreek Williams, I think that's great. Like it's that's fine. He's a three hundred and twenty pound dude. Like I get it if you can't go 40, 50, 60 snaps a game. That's that's totally fine as long as when you are on the field. It's the best snaps you can possibly provide for that team, and, and I think that's what they're trying to get out of him. But yeah, like Ty Hamilton gets overlooked, um, and I get it because the, those other guys are, are much more flashier and like probably have higher pro upsides than, than Ty Hamilton does. But um, I see a lot of Devon Hamilton and Ty Hamilton with just like the approach, like the, the very business like approach. But it's like you, you don't talk about me. That's totally fine. I'm just gonna go out there and do my job, and I'm, I'm cool swimming in those waters. And he doesn't really want that either. Yeah. I wonder if, in some ways, if doing a disservice to Ty Hamilton by saying that about his ceiling because he's ahead of where Devon was. Like, yeah. Devon's leap did not come until year five, and it was like, holy smokes, this guy is an NFL player, and he was absolutely wrecking things. Now, their bodies are not identical. The position, the responsibilities are probably not going to be the exact same, although we'll see. Uh, but maybe if he's ahead of that curve and then he still gets that Hamilton leap that his brother had, that could be trademarking that the Hamilton the Hamilton leap, like, yeah. yeah. Maybe that could be something pretty <laughs> scary. Like maybe we shouldn't just dismiss him as as the third guy or the the steady foundation piece. Like he could be more than that. I think, yeah, he's got like I'm not I'm, he's not going to be like a first round pick, but like we just saw like Teron Vince like didn't get drafted, right? I think some of that is maybe size concerns. Um, like I think Ty Hamilton's going to play in the NFL because he's got the size and the strength that you want, and even if he's not Aaron Donald. I think he's going to show up every day and, and have a – he has like a, a, a pro mindset, I think, and just sort of like, this is my job. I'm going to come out here and do it to the best of my ability. My ability may not be all world, but it's pretty good, and I'm going to give it to you every time I'm on the field. So uh, when we talked to Larry Johnson, that was now two weeks ago, there was a lot of discussion about Hero Canoe, and yeah. that was partially our fault because you, me, oh. and Berm – all separately walked up to Larry Johnson to ask about Hero Canoe. We did. It was funny listening back to it. But, like, I, I think he is – he's a really interesting guy in this group because I think you have – I think you have four – at least four defensive ends. We'll see about, like, Amari Abor can get you to five. But I think you have four defensive ends who are going to play. Jack and JT are going to play the most, obviously. But I think you have four that can give you something this year for sure. You have three tackles. Now Taiwan Malone changes that too. But, like, if Hero Canoe – can be the fourth guy, or even if he's the fifth guy. If you're playing five tackles, I think, I think that's great too. The more the more the merrier, as long as everyone can play at the, at the right level. 
Um, he's the guy that can really take it, I think, to another to another uh, another rung up the ladder, I guess, for in terms of just how good a defensive line can be because he's so different physically. He's like still figuring out how to play football. So I'm not expecting him to go out there and be a world beater right away. But if he can give you 10, 15 snaps a game as a guy who's six foot five, 315 pounds, is as strong as hell, has got a pretty good first step, and I think he's going to play with that high motor too, just because like he loves playing football. Yeah, um, that's a nice weapon to have, especially one that you can just like kind of pull out as needed. Not a guy that you're necessarily going to need to throw out there for 30 snaps a game, or someone who's going to have to start and play in the high, most high leverage moments like. That, that, that is the ideal scenario. Ohio State's had it here before, I think, more with ends than they have with tackles. But it's like just coming in waves and waves and waves, no matter who is out there. Like, it's a bad day for the offensive line. And, and I think that this group, I'm not saying they're definitely going to get there, but I feel probably as good as I felt about their ability to get there at this point in the offseason. Yeah, I know we're, like, picking at tiny tea leaves to read over the summer, but I think how much Hero Canoe has been out just through the two camps and, like, his willingness to be around football is what impresses me. He he sits in other people's press conferences when they, we're in, the, in there in spring. He just is listening, absorbing. He's not doing it to be funny. He's not doing it to ask questions. He like seems to be legitimately trying to zip through this learning curve, which is severe as it could possibly be for someone who's only played a couple of years of football. Yeah, like he is invested in getting through that, and so being out there just for a camp and showing how to do a drill and demonstrate for young kids what to do. He's he's doing it for some of the first times himself, so that's significant. I, I've put a lot of value in that. Uh, as we said on the show at Roosters on Tuesday, it used to be that these guys were all paid to be there, and it was one of the few opportunities that they could get an, an envelope of cash, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. Like, you just have to really want to be there because there's so many other ways uh, to get paid. So the fact that him and JT Tuimolo have been out there a ton with Larry Johnson, and then we had mentioned – on you know Monday that Chase Young popped out there. Like, yeah. I, I I do feel like they're the buy-in is there, and I'm not. I don't mean that to sound like it wasn't before, but like they know we started this by talking about them finding that at half step, half second. I, I think that everybody starting at the top with Larry Johnson on down knows that it's going to take a little bit more, and they're doing that. A guy like Hero Canute, it stands out as an example, and the fact that he's doing it alongside one of the best. Players on the team and JT two and Molo out uh, resonates with me. We we tend to talk about like chemistry much more like with the offensive line and how important that is. I, I do think it matters for the defensive line, and, and I think maybe more so with some of the ways that Jim Knowles wants to play. And it has felt at times over the last maybe two three years, not not so much last year, maybe the two years prior to that. There's a little bit of like freelancing going on, like maybe. Maybe guys looking out for number one, like trying to pad their stats a little bit. And like, listen, when you're really good, I understand that. I probably would do some of that stuff too <laughs> if I thought I was that good and can do it. But but one of the things that Larry Johnson did talk about when we talked to him two weeks ago is like there's there's a, just a better connection with the group as a whole. Like the the older guys aren't like ticked off at these younger guys nipping at their heels. They're like cheering them on. Like they want them to sort of like be part of the party because they know what a group of, of a dozen really good defensive linemen can do for a program. And um, – doesn't guarantee them anything, but but to your point, I think there is like I, I, I'm not again I'm not suggesting that there wasn't buy-in prior to this, but perhaps there's more now, and maybe part of that is like they've heard for a couple of years, like you know what, like you've, you're okay, but you're a step below what people have come to expect from a high state defensive line, and I think they're all as a group eager to get that back. I 
I think that's what made that 2017 group so special. It's not yeah. – those were really talented guys, all of them. But that's that's not different than now or last year. Ohio State's defensive linemen were still highly recruited and being developed by Larry Johnson and all those other things. But they did not care that Taekwon Lewis was getting more stats than the other three guys were, like, going to be better pros. Like, they were all okay with that. They celebrate each other's success. I, I remember that being more than anything. Like, Nick Post or Sam Hubbard, like – don't you want to play more snaps? And, like, we're fine. Yeah. Like, everybody's eating here. Like, right. it, has, it was the difference between a six or seven sack season for Sam Hubbard and, and maybe 10, 11, or 12. But, like, that wasn't what it was about for him. And that's – if the team number gets up, cool. Like, that's what they're it's missing. Matters, it's not yeah. the individual stuff. As you mentioned, like, Jack Sawyer, you look at it statistically, it's like, that seems like it's okay. But – there aren't, like, four guys doing the exact same thing. Yeah. If Ohio State has 50 sacks next year, I don't care how they get there. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me how they get there, but that's a really good number. Like, they, they have – and part of it, as you said at the beginning, is the coverage. Like, the coverage has not been as good the last couple of years or it's been softer the last couple of years, and that just gives that quarterback, um, I think, a, a little more comfortability to pull the trigger faster um, than if you're really blanketing guys away. Some of those secondaries were in 16, 17, sure, especially. Yeah. So, I think that is part of it, too, but it's just – I think there is a pervasive mindset that needs to be present for the defensive line as a, as a position group that does seem like it's being cultivated right now that perhaps was missing or lacking a little bit the last couple of years. All right. And you said it was beyond this year that had your attention maybe more than anything. Yeah, because if they're really good, they're all going to leave. <laughs> so, so it's like, then what do you do? Like, JT is going to the NFL. I think Mike's going to go to the NFL. Um, I think if Ty Leak has a good season, they'll probably go to the NFL. Um, Ty Hamilton is definitely draft eligible. Like Jack Sawyer's draft eligible. I, that would surprise me. I think if he did, I know he's in a lot of those early mock drafts. But like, it can get a little. Maybe not so much in twenty twenty four, but part of it that makes it a little um, hard to project is the way that Larry's been recruiting, and it's like it just comes together so late that like they don't have any defensive line commits right now. So or or didn't come together or, at or all. It doesn't come together year. at all last year, right? So like, there's. It's not like some other positions on the roster right now where you can look at the 2024 recruiting class like, okay, that guy's going to be a starter in three years. Like, there are no defensive line commits. So um, that makes it difficult. And if they do have um, – I don't want to call it a mass exodus, but certainly some an exodus on some level is probably going to happen after after this year. Um, it just means that, like, Kenyatta Jackson's got to be really good. Caden Carey's got to be really good next year. Um, Tywell Malone, I think, helps balance that out a little bit because I, I can't imagine he's going to be a one-and-done player here. Sure. Um I like Jason Moore a whole lot. I like Katie McDonald a whole lot, but like they have to be ready in year two, I think is, is, and that's always a difficult proposition. I think it's not to say that it can't happen, but when you're relying on a lot of guys to be ready in year two, um, you're just, you're just banking on a lot of projection there. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but maybe that means they'll look in the portal. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we need to have that discussion right now, but um, it definitely puts in a, a major emphasis. I think on Larry hitting a couple of home runs in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Yeah, I mean, you def- if you're Ohio State, you hope that you don't have to do that. You still want to use it as a last resort. If the option is make an offer to Jack Sawyer that he can't refuse or dip into the portal and have not don't know what you're going to get and don't have the same you know investment in the program that someone from Pick- Pickerington has, like, you know, that's part of the new age as well. Like, can you get these guys to stick around and, and, and take that whatever NIL opportunity or playing time opportunity to do that? They it is worth mentioning again that Ohio State had some success with that. Not everybody took it, but you know, Cade Stover, Tommy Eichenberg, Lathan Ransom were people who could consider it, and they said, "Well, let's see if there's anything that can be done." 
to make it more comfortable for you to not go and like take your take your chances as a sixth round draft pick or you know go undrafted like Ronnie Hickman. I know that that's like veering the conversation wildly off target, but you know that's going to be something that probably not going to be able to keep Mike Hall or JT Tuamola if they have the seasons that they right. they want. But like somebody like Jack Sawyer or Ty, Ty Leak or Ty Hamilton, yeah. like that could be a different different discussion. But, yeah, and I think they've. I think Ohio State has prioritized that. At least it feels like they have. Like there's there's a few different baskets where you can put your NIL resources. And I don't think anybody knows what the right answer is yet. But I am inclined to believe that keeping established players is much more worth your time than <laughs> uh, paying a bunch of money for a 17-year-old who you have no idea how good they're going to be. So if that's where you're going to put those eggs, I, I think I'd be on board with that. Yeah, that's that's clearly where Ohio State wants those eggs. Um and, uh, you know, they'll keep feeding them. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, thanks for joining us on uh, a Wednesday version of the Podcast Daily. As I mentioned, we'll be out later on at Ohio State's recruiting camp. Burn will have coverage of that at ohiostate.rivals.com. Bill's going to probably watch some offensive linemen. I'm not sure, but we'll see how that goes. And then we'll, we'll be back again tomorrow to break that down on the Podcast Daily. For Bill, I am Austin. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later.